Father's Day, happy Father's Day. I know it's very hard for many different people for different reasons, but we have some pretty courageous dads around here. And before I just jump into it, there's two things I want to say. If you are um, confused about the same-sex conversation and would like to have a conversation uh, with me about that, I know different people are calling and interacting. I'd love to make myself available. And the second thing I want so over the next two weeks, the second thing I want to say is I heard this morning that East Timor, there's been a negotiated agreement between the Australian government and the Timorese government. And for those about the oil funds and if you have not been part of that or even known that um, that we as a church community have been in our own way leveraging that conversation from our little space here into that bigger sphere joining with a number of other people in leveraging that justice issue I've heard this morning that the Australian government has reached an agreement with the Timorese government we'll see we'll still see the details but I go yay big one for justice for the Timorese oil and that money going back to the Timorese because they owned it in the first place. So that's really good news. A um, couple of courageous dad things that I just want to show you. If you've come across any of these, uh, one of our dads has been involved in Cambodia, gone on a trip. Is that dad here? Just put your hand up for a second. Yes, that dad is here. And uh, he found this as part of the cuisine. If you found this, I wonder what you'd do. Well, he did this. Watch this. Chris, can you stand up for us, mate? Look at that. That is <laughs> courageous. Did you eat the whole thing? Not the Okay. <laughs> well done, well done. Big clap for that, Dad. That's good. And then I discovered that um, dads sometimes have superhuman powers, right? So I found this dad this week. Have a listen. Baby's crying. Voila. I don't know if it was the bad breath or, or, or if it was, but I might try that one day. Wouldn't that be great? Any kids come crying or hankering or something? Any hashtag great dad save, send them in this week. I'd love to show some of that stuff. Give it a shot. It might actually work. No one prepares you for fatherhood. I was talking to a, a new mum this week and we actually agreed that nothing prepares you for parenthood. Nothing prepares you for fatherhood, no Cabbage Patch Kid, <laughs> no Tamagotchi, do you remember those? No Pet, <laughs> no, no Car, prepares you for Father's Day, prepares you for fatherhood, prepares you for parenthood, nothing does. Um, and nothing prepares you for the shift inside that many parents feel, that many dads feel when a baby comes along, nothing prepares you for that. I still remember the day where they said to us, you now may go home with your baby at the hospital. And they, they, they discharged us. And I remember going, you're kidding me? You're discharging us? We had no idea what we are doing. <laughs> and you're just going to let us randomly wander the streets, you know? And, and so they would give you the baby and you'd walk down with the baby like this, yeah? And then you'd put the baby and strap them into the car with gaffer tape, you know, <laughs> all the way through. And then you would drive on the freeway, on the shoulder of the freeway, right? At 80 kilometers an hour saying, every car, baby on board. Like seriously, you're driving like this and treating them like porcelain, right? 
And then a few years later, when mum has forgotten the pain, <laughs> and you go back for another, that's another talk, kids, not this one. And then, and then there's another that comes along. You realise after you've had a little baby for a while that they bounce, don't they? They bounce a little. So you don't have to treat them like porcelain. You can treat them a little bit like Tupperware. <laughs> and so by the time the third or the fourth or the fifth one comes along, they, they discharge you from hospital and you say, fantastic. Here, kid, here's a Mikey card. <laughs> it takes about 40 minutes to get home. You can let yourself in because the key's under the mat and mum and I are going to have a coffee. <laughs> right? Treat the first one like... Tupperware, <laughs> the next one's like kind of like tough because you discover that they, they kind of bounce a little bit, don't they? They're not all the same. In fact, deep down, deep, deep down, deep, deep, deep down, if you were to ask a dad what kind of superhero he would like to be, deep down in the heart of heart of most men, not all, most men, they would actually like to be a Superman dad. <laughs> they would like to be a Superman dad, it's true. They would like to be a Superman dad. I remember one of our routines at our household was Zooms. Zooms were amazing. What you would do is you would have a countdown from 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3. When they got to 3, they had to put their arms up like this, look forward, body rigid. And then you would, on the countdown to zero, you would pick them up, launch them into the sky, race them down into every room imaginable. And then you would slam them on the bed, right? They'd bounce up to the ceiling. Mum loved that. And then you would tuck them in and you'd read them a book, maybe read them some pages from the Bible, and then you'd pray for them. That was one of our routines at home. You'd pray for them because you wanted them to know that God's accessible and you can pray to him and you can converse with him and you'd also pray for yourself. Over the past two months, our community here has been going on a journey when it comes to conversing with God. I wonder what your routines were like when you grew up and I wonder what routines, if you like, if you're a parent here today or you'd like to be a parent one day that you'd like to instill into young people's lives. We've covered a whole range of, of uh, ideas and topics around prayer. Ask It's a mystery. There's some rules of engagement. When you draw closer to God, you shine. Sometimes God whispers to you. Sometimes we don't understand why there's unanswered prayer. Sometimes there's blockages in people's lives to prayer and conversation with God. And there's times where he'll reveal himself. And today, I want to talk about just in the time that we have remaining, pledge. The idea that God will give people like you and I a prayer to pray that would be like, a pledge. Many years ago, a number of Jesus' disciples turned to him one day and they asked him a question. Jesus, would you please teach us how to pray? And Jesus said, I don't want you to talk like all the other people talk to their gods and goddesses around about the pagan world because they think that by multiplying prayers or saying the exact wording, exactly the right phrase, will somehow get their God's attention. I want to tell you this, you can pray to God like this. And he gave an example, and this is how it goes. He said, pray like this, our Father who dwells in the heavens, honored be your name. I was reading that this week and I thought that word Father is strikingly profound. In fact, that word in the Greek is pater, but it points to another word that was used in the Semitic language of his day, 
which was in Aramaic, and it's a word that goes like this, Abba. No, this is not the first place where Abba, a rock group, turns up in the Bible. <laughs> Although they do have a lot to do with when parenting comes with money, 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 but that's just a dad's joke, right? Um, but the word is Abba. And it was one of those affectionate terms, those affectionate words that a child would be taught to say to their teacher, a respectful phrase. So pretty much you wouldn't use that phrase at all today, right, teachers? <laughs> um, but they would also be taught to say it to their father, Abba. And it was a phrase that was supposed to be this affectionate, close, proximal language that a child would use to their father. In fact, I'm told that there are still some countries where this word still is part of their language and one of the first words that a child would say or learn to say would be this, Abba, that close proximity of affection and connection. And, and so Jesus taught them to say this, Abba, who dwells in the heavens, honored be your name. May your kingdom come, may your will be done here on earth just like it's done where you dwell in heaven. And then three requests. Give us today the bread we need. Forgive us our wrongs just as we forgive those who wrong us. And lead us not into temptation's way. Rather, would you deliver us from evil? It struck me this week as I was reflecting on these words of Jesus, this, this if you like, model prayer, this kind of prayer. That it's the kind of prayer that I think a child would ask and speak to their parent about, a father, a mother. In fact, it's kind of, if you wanted to be a superman dad, was the kind of the request that you would expect if you put your shoes, your feet into your children's shoes, that you would want them to ask of you. And so if we back it up, there would be three requests. The first one would be like this. Father, Abba, would you protect me? That is, would you lead me not into temptation's way? Rather, would you deliver me from evil? There's, there's part of us, if you like, that, that if you want to be a super mad dad, would want to just instinctively want to protect their kids. You see, no one told me about the instinctive sort of increase that would happen in my life when children came along. No one prepared me for this kind of raging beast inside of you that you become when, when all of a sudden something looks like to be going wrong and you need to, have to do a hashtag dad, great save bit. You know? I've been running down at this time of year when you run down by the, the creek, there are ducks and uh, each year around this time they start to get a little ferocious. In fact, there's one particular spot where I know there's a mum, a mama duck and a papa duck, and there's the little chicks. They, they inevitably, they, 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 and then they're walking along the path, and you come running by, and all of a sudden, it's the, the dad duck, I believe. Rod, where are you? You're our resident zoologist. There's a dad duck. He, he opens his wings, which I think is like a decoy, and, and he makes this funny noise, and he heads off into the other direction. And that's supposed to just draw your attention away from what? From the little kids from the little chickens. And then Mama Duck, she sort of nestles hers and goes and, and walks them away to, or it might be the other way around. Is it the other way around? The, the dad, the, the mum gets shot and the, the dad sort of gets the, the kids away or something. The, I probably said that wrong, didn't I? So, and, and what happens is there's this protective instinct. No one told me that that would happen in my life when kids came along. I still remember netball games, and they don't know this. They have no idea about this, where up one end, some of the dads on the opposite team were getting a little bit rowdy. And, and I remember as a dad, protective instance, walking up and, and actually just sort of walking inside the crowd just to make sure, just anonymous, super dad, just anonymous in there wanting to protect any, yeah? Has any dad ever done that stuff before here? 
Just me. Okay, I'm not going to pick on you. I'm the only... Why do we do that? Why would we do that? Because I'm told that you never graduate from parenting. When I ask this of older parents, they still say, after all the years, their kids have grown up, protective instincts still high. You never graduate. And I think the reason why we never graduate, because when they're young, we want to instill in them that there's this sense of why would we do that goofy kind of stuff? is because we want them to instinctively know deep down in our heart of hearts that they are worth protecting, that they are worth sheltering, that they are worth being present for. And if you can somehow instill that into the young kid, there's a sense in which, hey, I'm valuable. You see, Superman dads, Superman dads, they don't stand off at a distance. What they do is they want to get up close and protective. Why? Because there's this thing inside of them that drives them. But that's not the only thing. The Superman dads do. In fact, the second part of this prayer, there's a second request and it goes like this. Would you provide for me? I mean, Jesus had it in these words, give me the bread I need or give me what's needed for today, not just what I want. Would you do that? You see, Superman dads, they don't just, if you like, act as a protective agent because they want their kids to know and show them that they're worth it. But there's another dimension that goes on and happens and takes place within them, which is something more to the kin of this. Would you provide for me. In fact, it's the kind of provision that looks like this though. Superman kind of dads teach their kids how to fly. They teach them how to fly. What do I mean by that? It's the story between two children. If you read Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, he describes the kind of parenting styles that a sociologist by the name of Annette Lorraine, she undertook when she surveyed 12 different families from different parts of, of, if you like, society. And she wanted to know, uh, as she followed the grade three kids within that family, those different 12 families, she wanted to know what made them tick and if there was something that she could discover about the way in which they raised their kids that might be more beneficial than others. All right? So all parents are listening now. (laughs) They said, this is how it went. Um, Firstly, who would allow someone else like a sociologist to come into your home and spend 20 uncharted visits where they just act like a, a, a family pet to just unvettedly observe your family <laughs> and then write a book about it at the end. Who would do that? But they did, 12 families. And at the end of it, they said, actually, there was two different philosophies. They fell into two distinct groups. It was the difference between Alex and Katie. Alex's mum's driving her to the doctor's, and Alex's mum is keen to make sure that he's, he knows he's allowed to ask the doctor a question. Because she wants him to be able to navigate the world and to know that it's not just scary out there, that they have a voice. And so as she's driving Alex to the doctor, she says, now, when the doctor asks you, do you have any questions? I want you to actually think of a question because you're allowed to. You can. Whereas the other parenting style was that one, they, they described it like just natural, natural growth. You see, Katie, she loved singing, uh, but her parents just thought that was just a nice instructive thing. She just liked singing. So much so, though, that she actually signed up for a singing choir that she took herself to. She wasn't driven. She took herself to. And her parents thought, that's nice. She's just got a little hobby of her own. Not knowing that part of the role of a parent, if you like, a Superman kind of dad, is to observe what the skills and the passions and the giftedness of the child is so they can actually cultivate it, not just let it grow wild. And so the difference between, if you like, Katie and Alex is that this one had a kind of growth, a kind of parenting, a kind of Superman kind of dad that would actually do this in their lives, active 
cultivation. So they knew they had a voice that they could actually fly and make their own way in the world. Wow. So there's the idea of protecting because they're worth it. And also providing for them. Because deep down, you want them to be able to fly themselves. And the third request that just comes out, that's part of this prayer that if I put myself into a little child's feet and ask it of myself, what would they like, what would they like? It's this. We teach them, if you like, how to forgive. Jesus said these words. Pray like this. Father, forgive me my wrongs just as I forgive those who wrong me. You see, what I discover is that this whole idea of pardon or forgiveness is a completely unnatural thing in the human psyche. Did you know that? Forgiving is unnatural. You see, I think it's a parent's role to actually be able to show their kids that when they fail and when they do wrong, there's life on the other side. And the only way we can do that is by actually demonstrating to them if you want to be a superman kind of dad is that there's times in which we get it wrong ourselves. So some of the most powerful words that a father might be able to mutter from his lips in front of his children might go to the effect of this. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Because a superman kind of dad realizes that if forgiveness, it's supposed to flow. And if it doesn't flow, it kind of gets trapped in our arteries and it can get trapped in our hearts as bitterness. And those things can build up over time so that our hearts and our lives can become kind of hard. That if we don't practice forgiveness, that actually we don't teach someone else how to forgive and how they can fail well. And in so doing... We hold on to things where we can let go. You see, a father who's discovering that there's a heavenly father who's made a way to forgive, who sent his son to die on a cross, who will forgive their sin and their wrong and their failures is someone who realizes that I can have a profound effect, if you like, on teaching other children what it's like to offer forgiveness and learning to forgive those who pain them. You see, Superman kind of dads, what they do is they show their children how to forgive and how to fail well. I still remember the day that I discovered that my dad was not a Superman kind of dad. We'd been playing cricket for many years and my dad had this, this funny little bowling action in which he could actually produce a grubber from like three metres out on a concrete surface and just when it was getting close, he could bowl it and it would bowl you every time. Wouldn't rise higher than this from the ground, yeah? Every time. I remember in my early teens, so probably in my midway through, we'd been competing and competing and competing until the one day it happened. I beat my dad in cricket. It was one of those moments of elation. Woohoo! But simultaneously, there was another pang of sadness. I beat my dad. My dad's not Superman, he's human. So, with that, there was this sense of victory, and yet 
a passing of time and a passing of age. I remember a few years later that there was a time in our family where there was strife. Four boys, a dad and a mum. Poor mum. Five boys. Hmm. There was a time where there was shouting and arguments and wrestling and all that kind of stuff. And there were tears flowing and kind of it felt like it was fragmenting a bit at the edges. And I remember that my dad came into the room amongst all of this. And in the heat and in the stress and in the anxiety of that moment where tears rolled, he did something which I still remember to this day. Trying to pull all the pieces together, he said, stop. Stop. I don't know what to do, but I'm going to pray. And in that moment, not that I knew it quite then, I discovered I had two dads. My own earthly dad, who was frail and human, and there was a heavenly dad, totally unlike him. Yes, he'd provided a window, and some other dads have provided a wall. But I discovered that he was calling out to a heavenly father for power and for resource and for capacity to do things that he didn't quite know what to do. And in that moment, in that place, in that time, when he bent his knee to a higher authority, he was imparting to me something that was more profound than the words themselves. What he was imparting to me was this sense of, if my dad can bend his knee to a higher authority, if my dad can bend his knee and subdue himself to something that is greater than himself, then it's okay and that one day I might do that too. Because he was appealing to a greater dad. A more powerful father. A presence that would help in the midst in this time of pulling family together. You see, this prayer that Jesus gives, yeah, it can be a request of a child to a father. Abba. But more profoundly, it's the prayer that's not a framework, that is, is not kind of some formula but it's like this profound prayer, this conversation that he says and he dares and he bids any human being to pray to a creator who's like a heavenly father that will go something more like a pledge that reads like this. My father who dwells in the heavens, honored not be my name, but your name. May your kingdom come, may your will be done through my life this day, just like it is in heaven. And Abba, provide for me today what I really need. Abba, would you forgive me when I fail and sin and fall short? And would you help me to pass that forgiving on even when it's hard? And Abba, would you guard me from all the pitfalls and the evils that are lurking and, and more than eager to consume me? You see, in, in our crooked and, and me-centered, cultured world, that the best thing you can do on Father's Day is just buy them another tool or some material object that they don't really need. Is this, prefer, is, this prayer is powerfully subversive in our culture for anyone who would say, no, no, there's a higher authority than me, 
And I want to bend my knee and I dare to not call God some distant being, but step over the line and say, I don't call him God because of what he's done in Jesus. I can call him Abba. I knew that the prayer was supposed to be prayed corporately because it starts with our, our father. When my kids, uh, the first kid was born and uh, he wasn't a goat. Uh, when my first kid was born, my child, he, um, I, I thought to myself, I, I, I don't think my heart could have any more love. That's it. Bottoms out. That's it. I don't know how. And then the next one came along and something profound happened. I discovered this about love, is that love makes room for more, and then another. And I think that's how it is with God, who's love. He says, I want you to start with our Father, Jesus, because there's always room for one more in God's family, because his love is not exhaustive. Abba. Abba, a pledge. So I'm going to ask Cindy to come and the band to come right now. And I want to create a space for us. I know it's warm. I know it's just over time and I just know, but we need to finish here, if you like, with some space. Is that okay? Because you're going to hear this, this marvelous song, which is this song sung to a tune. But I'd like us to have some creative space and reflective space to respond. So I have this card and we've been learning over eight weeks that you can approach God not like he's a distant God, but he's like someone who sits in a couch and says, come, Abba. And I've got the card with superhuman creatures on it, a dad and a daughter. And it's got this prayer like a pledge. And I wonder this morning if you're a dad who goes, you know what, I want to up the ante. I want to up the ante. I want to up the ante. I don't just want to be a dad. I want to be a Superman kind of dad who's human. That you might. But I also want you to know if you're here this morning and you grieve and it's hard, I want you to know in your heart of hearts and the deepest deep that there is a heavenly father who loves and who gives. And that's what community is for. That as a community, we can be the father to the fatherless. We can be the mother to the motherless. That we can be that. So I wonder here this morning if you grieve. And for you, it would be just quite timely to hop up out of your chair and go and take one of these cards. And, and this is your prayer that you can pray to Abba. I wonder if you're here this morning and there's hurt about dad was more a wall than a window. And for you to hop up out of your seat and to go and take one of these cards, there'll be someone there just ready to pray with you. You don't have to go into details, but you might just say, healing. They might just lay a hand on your shoulder and just pray, God, would you heal? Abba, would you heal? You might just say, grieving. And you might just allow yourself to have someone place their hand on you and just say, Abba, grieving. Would you comfort you might be here and you're a dad and you want to up the ante and you just want to just pause before you pick up one of the cards and say, I want a Superman dad. Go up. I want to pray this prayer every day. I'm going to put it in my car. I'm going to put it in the kitchen. I'm going to put it in the first thing when I wake up in the morning time. There it is. I want to pray this from the heart. 
You might just want to say, Super Dad, I'm just going to pray. Maybe here this morning, you've always thought God was like God, distant, not close. And because of what he's done in Jesus, in living, dying, rising again, you've never called him a bar. And this is the moment today we can draw a line in the sand, hop up and walk over to take one of these cards to say, this is what I'm praying, that God, you are to me. You are not distant, God. You are close, a bar, Father. And you might just want to say, as you walk past, you don't have to, you can just take a card. I'm making him a bar. And I'll pray for you. In fact, go to the places now, folks, because there's one over here. There's going to be one here and Eva and Ali. There's going to be one over there. Just go over there if that's you. And there's one up there. So there's these cards that you can come and take. And if you'd like to pause to receive prayer, then you can. As Cindy sings, we finished our time this morning in this sacred moment, this sacred space. Last story. Last story. So Jean Postlethwaite was telling me, who's part of our community, about a story with Toby a few weeks ago. His little one is like this high. He said, I bought Toby a footy and he said, Dad, can we go down to the park and can we kick the footy? And he said, yeah, yeah, we can do that. We will do that. We're going to go down to the park and we're going to kick the footy. And so they're walking down to the park and Toby looks up at Dad and he says, Dad, can you hold my hand? And Dad looks down at him and he says, sure. So Toby reaches up. Then they're walking along a little bit further and Jean says this to Toby. He said, you know, Toby, one day you won't want to hold Daddy's hand anymore. He said, Toby looked really confused. He was thinking about this. And then he said to Dad, Dad, I'll always hold your hand. Bottle that one. It's going straight to the pool room. You see, you have this picture of God and that he's wanting to reach down his hands always there. And I wonder if he whispers to us, I'm here, I'll hold your hand. He's just asking us to reach up and take hold. You need to take hold again today. Then hop up out of your chair, make a pledge. Do business with God. Go on, dare you. Have someone pray for you if you like. And then make it happen. Make it happen. Make it happen.